family. And, you know, we say that word a lot, church family, but for me, it's a little deeper than that. Um, I think that this, uh, there's, there's a, a bond that's not just the, in the walls of community church, but there's a bond where we sit at the table. Uh, we sit at, at God's table in God's household, and that Father, that Heavenly Father, uh, bonds us together, and that bond cannot be broken. Amen? Can I just talk about that for a second? That bond cannot be broken. And when we're unified under our Father, man, there is some good things that happen. Amen? Uh, we see the church grow. We see the church move. And uh, Paul talks about there is joy in unity. And so I want you to remember that uh, because if you, if you can recall, maybe if you've got brothers or sisters, my kids, we can't sit them next to each other at the table because the dukes get brought up. You know what I'm talking about? And so, you know, we'll be sitting here and I'm like, can you just eat your hamburger helper? And they're like, no, we finna fight. And so sometimes even in churches, we have these moments where uh, we get a little crossways with each other and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, somebody called me one time. They were worried. There was a little bit of a mix up here in the church. And I said, hey, we're still family though, right? And the lady said, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. So anyway, we're all, uh, we talked about being on the same team last year or, or last week. And so anyway, but the, the bottom line is that God is our unity. That's the father. He sits at the head of the table and he's the head of the household. Amen. So, hey, I want to visit with you this morning uh, about um, uh, from Romans and uh, brother, I'm sorry, I didn't give you my my uh, scripture this morning is Romans 3, starting 21. And so if you would turn there with me, Romans 3, we're going to start at verse 21. Uh, so there is um, a book in the New Testament called Romans. It's a letter. And um, I, I hope that you read your Bible. I do. I hope that you don't just, you know, we say, hey, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Uh, I hope that when you read it, you, you go deep. You don't just uh, kind of go glaze over and just say, oh, cool, that's what that says. I want you to really dive in. And I'm so proud. Uh, we have been teaching about hermeneutics and how you should really read and interpret your Bible. Uh, there's a lot more to the Word of God than just what's at face value. We want to dig down deep. And that's only good things happen when you dig down into the Word. And so I hope you do that. Um, I hope that you go from Genesis to Revelation and read all of it. But if, if I had to choose a part of the Bible that you are required to read, so I, I'm taking these correspondence courses with the Assemblies of God uh, right now for, uh, it's called the ordination track, and they have these, they have the textbook that you use, and then they have a uh, a reading book that you're supposed, it's not required, it's recommended, but uh, a lot of courses you do have a required reading. And if I had to say, hey, you're required to read this one book, it would be Romans, because Romans is just powerful. And there's a portion of Romans um, that uh, Paul wrote. He, he wrote uh, from Corinth, sent it to the church in Rome, uh, and at the time, that church was comprised of two factions. There were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile, which are non-Jew Christians. And, and they were, were at odds. Remember we talked about being a family? Well, sometimes families get at odds. And they were, they were having a, a dispute. It was kind of a doctrinal, a theological dispute. And one, one team was saying, well, hey, this is how this is supposed to be. And the other team was saying this. And so... Uh, 
Paul was dealing with a lot of that. And um, so there's a part of this book, a portion, that people refer to as the Romans Road because it accurately sums up the entirety of the gospel in a small collection of verses, okay? And so my title today is called The Open Road. And I told, uh, I, I, was, I was going around telling people that I thought it would be really cool if I would have, uh, you know, if I could have brought my motorcycle in here and just parked it right there and be like, yeah, it's the open road. But, you know, God ordained that the, that the back tire would go out, and so I wasn't able to do that. And uh, anyway, Brother Charlie, if I had known sooner, I'd have been like, let's get that bike in here. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> and uh, somebody did that. You may not know this, but somebody went to our campground. Do you remember who it was? We're not going to say names. Anyway, somebody got on the, the campground with a motorcycle. Were they like men's retreat or something? Of course. And they drove across the stage. How'd they get on the stage or the front? Anyway, put a big skid mark right in the carpet at the campground at the tabernacle. And so anyway, I thought you know, that would be what happened if, if JB tried to drive a motorcycle up in here. So we didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so there's this part of the book of Romans called the, uh, the Romans Road, and it sums up the gospel. So we're going to start. Romans 3.21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That is powerful. That is powerful, especially to a group of people that were, that were you know, fighting over who the gospel was for. Uh, they were arguing about who, you know, would Jesus only come for Jewish people or did Jesus come for Jews and Gentiles? Well, Paul says everyone. Can you say everyone? Everyone. It does not matter who your daddy is. The gospel's for you. Come on. It doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're rich, if, you're, if you live in the United States of America, if you live in southern Australia. It does not matter. The gospel is for you. If you're a fallen person, guess what? We all are. The gospel is for you. Redemption is for you. So there's never a person. And can I just give you this also? Not only is redemption for you, but Jesus is powerful enough to get you out of whatever you're in. Because there's a lot of people that get so freaked out. Well, I, you know, I just, uh, I'm not really worth it. I'm not really worth it. You know, I, I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm, I've done this. I've done that. I, don't, I probably can never go to church. I could probably never be a church person. Why? Why? The gospel's for you, man. The gospel is, I would say that the gospel is, is, the power of the gospel is more for people that are damaged than people that have been restored, okay? Because there's hope there. And when you're messed, you know, you're off, some of y'all have been in some bad spots in your life. You have been so beat down that you've thought, man, I'm just going to end this whole thing. Man, and my heart burns for people that are there because I've been there. There have been places where I've been in my life where I thought there's no way out of this. It can't get better. I'm at the bottom and there's no road out. God gave us the Romans road. Come on. God gave us a path and the path's name is Jesus. So I want to tell you a story real quick. So you guys remember a few years ago there was this thing that happened. It was called COVID. Anybody? No? No? Man, let's forget it. So during COVID, a lot of people got to work from home. 
okay? And uh, it was kind of cool for me because we really, when, when, when the shutdown happened, there was no busy work really to be done in my job. And so they said, hey, you guys just work from home and do all your busy work from home. And I was kind of like, I, I know busy work. I'm all caught up. There was nothing to be filed. There was nothing to be checked on. You know, I do a lot of collections. The collections were done. I was like, dude, what do I do? And so I realized I was on a COVID vacation. And what did I, I said, okay, what am I going to do with my time? Obviously, I'm going to go fishing, okay? What else do you do on your COVID vacation? So I got in my truck, affectionately known as Billy Ray. Come on, some of y'all gangsters know that. And I got in Billy Ray, and we drove down to the, to the, uh, to the creek. We was going to catch a bunch of bluegill, Stephen. It was going to be good. And would you believe, when I get to the entrance, there are barricades across, and it says, authorized vehicles only. How do you close the woods? Like, we can't be having deers getting COVID up in here. We don't want, could you imagine the super spreader situation if a bunch of squirrels got COVID-19? It'd be a bad situation, y'all. And so authorized vehicles only. And, and so it just struck with me. I can't, I'm not authorized to go in there. Me and Billy Ray, yeah, somebody said, why don't you just move the thing? I'm trying to go to jail. And so I'm not that brave. And so uh, road closed, authorized vehicles only. That is not how the gospel works. You don't have to be a special person to carry the message of Jesus. And let me just give you this. If you know the message of Jesus, guess what you are, a preacher. People will say, hey, preacher, hey, preacher. Listen, yeah, I, I get to pastor, I get to preach. It's awesome. It's the funnest thing. But we're all ministers of the gospel. Can I give you that? We are all ministers of the gospel. And so that, that will mess your mind up when you're having a really frustrating moment in the public square and you start to think, I'm, I'm going to throw hands and it's buy one, get one free. Come on. And all of a sudden you remember, wait, I'm a minister of the gospel. How's this going to affect my ministry? When you start thinking like that, it will change the way you respond, the way you react to people because this will upset and affect the ministry that I am called to because if you you know the truth that is Jesus, you are called to ministry. Now, that could look different. That could mean that you're called to pastor. That could mean that you're called to teach. That mean you, whatever. But bottom line, you are called to tell the gospel, to teach the gospel, and to live the gospel. It doesn't matter if you, you know, what your background is, any of that. It's for everybody. And, and let me just give you this. So we're going to kind of break down this Romans road over the next few minutes. And so the first thing that he talks about is... Uh, you've all heard the word equality. People want equality. They want wage equality, uh, this equality, that, that equality. Let me tell you the oldest form of equality is fallen equality, and that's everybody is born into sin. I had a great, I, I try not to argue theology with folks too much because, one, I'm not a good arguer. You've got to be able to talk fast to argue, and if I argue with somebody, I just end up going, like, listen. I can't do it. My brain does not work that fast. People start arguing, and I'm over here going, like, I put my pants on. Like, you know, just calm down, man. And so 
But I had a discussion with a gentleman, and he was from a different faith, and, and that, uh, he, they were Christian, but they were a different kind of denomination thing. And um, he was saying that uh, we're not all born into a sin nature, which that's not biblical. The Bible teaches that, that we're born into sin. That's when we all need redemption. If you're not born into sin, then, then you don't need Jesus. And so the Bible teaches us that we're all born fallen. And so I want you to just understand something. When, when, when we see people do things that are wicked, we shouldn't freak out as Christians. Uh, this is a pretty, you know, today we've got a lot of church people in here. And I want to just encourage you, when you see someone that is in the world, that is living a sinful life, and they do something that is not nice, don't freak out. And what you should do instead of being angry, well, I just get mad. They shouldn't do that. Yeah, you're right. No, they shouldn't do that. But you should have compassion and kindness towards that person, realizing that that individual is spiritually sick. Okay? It's just like if someone has a, has a cold, they're going to show symptoms, right? Right? Come on. Uh, and so you have symptoms, your nose turns all red and your eyes get all puffy. My poor son, Judah, he, when he gets any kind of cold or anything, his poor little eyes, y'all, he wakes up in the morning, he looks like this. He's like, Daddy? Like, it's so sad. And uh, I don't know what it is about his little eyes, but they just get so goopy. And, but that is a symptom. And so when you encounter someone and they're doing something that maybe it, maybe it hurts your feelings, maybe it, it bothers you or whatever, it's kind of a wicked thing, don't freak out and, and go to condemning and judging and hating on someone. That's not what Jesus called you to do, okay? Uh, what you should do is realize, hey, this person has sin in their life, and I am seeing a symptom of that sin. We are all fallen, okay? Jesus said, if, you've got, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. We're not, there's going to be no stones thrown, okay? We all have sin issues that we deal with. And can I just help you with this? You're not perfect, and you're never going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. There are times that, that I mess up, and I have to repent and say, God, I know I messed that one up. I know I did not handle that well. And here's the coolest thing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, will let you know. Can I give you that this morning? You will know. And what does it feel like? Well, how do I know that God's talking? You will know. <laughs> you will know, okay? You ever heard of the dad voice? All right, some of y'all some of y'all knew the dad voice. Y'all, when I was about 12 years old, my dad spoke to me, and he had this very strange voice, and it was calm. It was like, hey, son. And I was like, what is that? Because I had only ever heard the dad voice. You know what I'm saying? And so just think about that. Uh, nobody is perfect. We are all, we have all failed. The word sin means to miss the mark. And we have all missed the mark. Okay, none of us have a perfect record um, with that. But yes, so we've all done that. We've all failed. But let me give you something. Not only are we equal in our, uh, where we're fallen, we're equal that we've messed up, but we also have equality in hope, okay? God is a plan maker. God has never been surprised, or you ever, if you have kids, you ever been surprised, you come in and you go, oh, what did you do? Or a dog, those are even almost worse, almost worse. Y'all, I left, <laughs> our dog was out last night, and I don't, if you have a husky or a basset hound, you know our pain. Because about 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't know what kind of demon got in that dog. But just, <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. 
And so I go out there and I'm like, what are you doing? And she just like, hey, can we play right now? No, we cannot play. It's bad. And so I was tired. I was being lazy. And so I left the dog out of her crate last night. That was dumb, Christina. I should not have done that. And so this morning, Brittany, I was planning on getting up before Brittany, and I was going to go in there, and if the dog did anything silly, I was going to take care of it. Well, I didn't. Brittany goes in there, and she goes, who left the dog out? And I'm like, and so you get it. You get it. There is a mess. And you're like, what? So uh, God, is never, God doesn't have that with us. We don't do things that surprise God and shock him, okay? You never have done anything in your life that scared God, Okay. Uh, you, you've never done anything uh, that has freaked God out so much where he has to back up and say, whoa, that's not the way it works. God is a plan maker. You don't have to go very far into the Bible to find a point where Satan uh, thought he had won. Uh, I believe that when Satan uh, tricked Adam and Eve into this sin, into this fallen state, he probably thought, look what I have done. I have ruined God's good and perfect creation. I win. However, what he did not realize is that God always has a plan. And the plan was that hope would rise from the ashes, and then even while humanity was still in a, in a coma of sin and rejection, that a redeemer would carry the sin of Adam into the grave and redeem all of man. Kind. And that leads me into this next point is that we have equality in redemption. What is redemption? That's where this thing is all messed up, but Jesus brings it back. Jesus sets us back. And a lot of us, you know, we talk about this a lot that we got some walking testimonies in here. Listen, I want to encourage you again and again and again. If you have a testimony, you better tell it because there's someone out there. There's someone out there that needs to hear it. And you think, oh, you know, my story is little. Bet. My story doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because none of God's victories are little wins. Come on. Come on. Amen? None of God's victories are small W's. They're all capital W's. You might, you might say, hey, choose your battles, dude. Uh, I got a little victory. And... Um, None of God's victories are small. They're all championship titles. Amen? Come on. And so I want you to remember that as you share your story. So Paul, he writes in Romans 10. And so if you follow the Romans road, it goes from Romans 3 all the way over to Romans 10. And he goes from this point where we are fallen, we have messed up, and it's not just some people, it's all people. We have, we're fallen, we have sin in our lives, we have sin in our heart, and that sin uh, brings this wickedness that we do things that we're not even proud of. Paul even said, he said, I don't know why I do these things. And it's because of sin, it's because of this fallen nature that we have as people. And so Paul, he starts there, hey, we've, we all have a problem, but there is hope. And he brings us over to Romans 10, and he says this, he says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Have you ever thought what went through Jesus' mind during the last days of his ministry? I think, you know, we've got some, some great media out there. You could watch the, the Passion, you know, the, the, that movie that came out a while back. You could watch The Chosen. You, you know, whatever those things are you want to watch, those maybe give us an idea. You know, we read the Word and we get sort of an idea, but can we ever really understand what went through his mind? Those last moments of ministry uh, before the arrest and the crucifixion, the desperate situation uh, of, of mankind, the lost and the forgotten. I'm sure he thought about those things. We know that he went and prayed and he said, Father, give me strength and, and talked about all this. He, he knew, I believe fully, that Jesus knew what the expanse of what was really going on. This wasn't just simply a... Uh, a moment in time where he would be arrested and he would be crucified and there would be this and that. He was creating a new man. You see, Jesus was a second Adam, okay? He, uh, when he was raised, that resurrection was not just for him, but we become resurrected with him, amen? And so you know people that that's their testimony. They were in the grave of life, but when they uh, made Jesus the Lord of their life, it was like they just resurrected and they began to walk in life again. That's why we love Teen Challenge so much because these, these men and women come in here and they, the testimonies are so powerful. And they show, you know, they'll show these pictures before and after where they were living in the world and, and just having all these issues and all these problems. And then there's the second picture and there is life. When we call in the name Jesus, we're saved. When we believe in the name Jesus, we're saved from these things that destroy us and tear us apart. From the mess that sin is. Jesus pursued our redemption with a set mission, with no room for failure or relent. He took the punishment, paid the price. He fought for every step as he carried the sin of mankind on his shoulder. Jesus didn't fight through the pain and pursue Calvary for a certain people group, not for a denomination or an affiliation, not for a race, not for an orientation. Jesus, I don't believe Jesus was thinking about, well, I've got to get the, uh, the Pentecostals redeemed. I think he was thinking about, I've got to get the people redeemed, okay? There's no group that is, that, that is an outlier. He brings all home. Okay, there's, there's, no, there's no one out there that is out of the reach of the grace of God. Do you hear me this morning? Because let me, let me just bother you with this. Some of us have stopped praying for people because they're too lost. Uh-oh, hold on, let me go over here. <laughs> no, some of us have given up praying for folks because they're too, they're too lost. Maybe we're frustrated. Maybe we think, well, that person will never, why? Why should you ever give up praying for somebody because you think they're too lost? Do we, do we think that God is so weak that he can't release somebody from the, the biggest chains? You better believe he can. And I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe that's for you. You've stopped praying for somebody. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be something that you need in your life. And you have stopped praying for it because you think, well, that's out of the reach no, it's not. 
No, it's not. God is not weak. God is not a, he, he's not a, a man with limits. Come on, if you ask me to do some things, I have limits. And they're tiny, okay? If it's hot outside, I can't do it, y'all. I'm allergic. It's a real serious situation. I break out in sweats and I get all flushed. It's bad, okay? I get indigestion, okay? I can't do that hard stuff. Listen, the hard things are where God excels. In our weakness, his power is made complete, amen? And I want you to think about that. Come on, I'm preaching to you this morning. I want you to think about that. When you're, when you're tired of praying for the thing, whatever it is, if it's healing, if it's breakthrough, at the moment when you are the most tired of praying for it, you're probably at the closest to the breakthrough. When, you are, when you're at your wit's end and you're down on your knees and you're frustrated and you've cried every tear that you can cry, you are very likely at the closest point, of, at the closest that you have ever been to the breakthrough point. Okay? We cool with that? Y'all got quiet on me. Don't give up. Don't give up on redemption. Jesus gave his life to open this road of redemption. Come on, we use that, we're using that term a lot this morning, road, because it's, that's what he lays out that path. Uh, he opened the road of redemption to all people so that we can live, a, so that we can all experience a life of hope. And the final thing is equal rejuvenation. Because not, listen, with Jesus, the power of Christ is not just a rescue. You know, uh, I remember when I was a kid uh, getting rescued from a pool that I had jumped into too much. And basically, the rescue was sit down, don't do that again. Stop. You're banned for five minutes. That's what happens. That's not what he does with us, man. You know, if we could equate Jesus to a lifeguard, you know, if you'll allow me to do that real quick, just for a metaphor, it's not that he just sets you out of that dangerous water. It's that he sets you out, towels you off, and prepares you, okay? Jesus doesn't just rescue you and sit you down and say, hey, stop, don't do that again, you're in timeout. But there is rejuvenation where you begin to walk this life of hope. Romans 5 says, therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. There's more to life. There's more than a fallen state where we're not hopeful, where we're frustrated all the time, where things just are not working. There's more than that. I believe that God wants you to live a life that is abundant in hope, that is abundant in joy. You know what? You may follow Christ all your days and never be rich in the things of the world, but you absolutely will be rich in the things that matter. Come on, spiritually wealthy. Finally, I want to end with this. You matter. The road is open to all. There's no uh, barricade across it. Come on, and it's not paved by the Louisiana Department of Transportation. Amen. So that means it's it's you can go down that thing. 
I saw someone post from KTBS, and they were talking about I-20 is going to be closed. A portion of it's going to be one lane all the way till 2025. And I'm like, wow. Hopefully they fix it and they get it really nice. But that's not the way the open row with Jesus works. Come on. He's inviting us to go on this journey. You ever been on a road trip? And you're just like, man, that's awesome. You just drive. That's what Jesus wants with us. He wants to go on a journey, a journey of life where he empowers you to minister, where he empowers you to walk through situations that other people would get, you know, flat, maybe a flat tire by. Jesus doesn't just bring us out of a mess to set us up and say, hey, just stay right there. Let me go do the work. No, Jesus is a sender. He empowers and he sends. The road is open. And you mattered so much to him that he traveled a different road, a path up a hill. Come on, you know the song, far away. And he got on that cross, beaten, battered, torn apart. Horrible. So that we could be redeemed. You matter so much. I love that song. It says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And I believe that. I believe that with God's power that transcends, transcends time and steps into eternity, I believe that at the moment before he passed, before, before death overtook him temporarily, t- temporarily overtook his body, I believe that Jesus thought about all of us and knew exactly what he was doing, the victory that was coming, the redemption that was at hand. Satan thought he won, but Jesus knew what was really about to happen. Amen? The road is open. All you've got to do is jump in and drive. Amen? Amen? Hey, the good news is, when we go on that spiritual road trip with Jesus, he pays for the gas. <laughs> the road's open. You just have to make the decision. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me this morning? And I want to just pray together because some of us have been hesitant. Maybe you felt like you weren't worth it. Maybe you felt like, the, you know, God has not called you into deeper understanding, a deeper move with him. And I want to just challenge that. I think that God has called you. God's called you into a walk of depth with him, where not just that you know the name Jesus, but that you revere the name, that you don't just love him, but that he becomes Lord of your life. Because there's a difference. You can love something and it not uh, be the Lord of your life. You can love something and you not abide by it, okay? And so we want to make God the Lord, Jesus the Lord of our life. God, you call the shots, not me. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. We just love you.